Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Berry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk about college football, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 238. Yeah, welcome to episode 238. The astute listener will notice that episode 237 is nowhere to be found, and that's because this is the first time that we actually managed to lose a recording of a live stream episode. Episode 237 was live stream on twitch.tv slash 8311cast. Should have checked it out, but you can't because we lost the recording. You should follow us on Twitch there. Uh, then you can be notified on every time that we decide to stream on there. So if we do happen to lose a recording ever again, you will be there and you will have known what had happened. We'll give you a brief recap of that episode. Basically, it was our Cyclone football season preview episode where we went through and predicted wins and losses for each game on the schedule so far this season, as well as talked about some more interesting things about Cyclone football team, uh, like depth charts and kind of what to watch for throughout the season. I'll take some time real quick to go through what our predicted records are for this season that we went through over last week's episode. So Ariane came out with a pretty pessimistic 4-8, and 2-7 in conference play. Mike came out with a more reasonable five and seven, three and six in conference. I had an overly enthusiastic nine and three, seven and two in conference. And then Kyle also had a pretty reasonable five and seven, three and six in conference play. So you could say I brought it. I brought us back to earth after your outlandish predictions. But between me and Ariane, you and Mike kind of averaged this out. Yes, we, we balanced out. Exactly. And and I would like to say that uh, after the results of the first two weeks. Um, me, Ariane, and Kyle are, are, are exactly correct at one and one. You, yeah. you said two and L at this point, Kyle. Oh, sorry, Wyatt. So I did. However, in a twisted turn of events, I was the only one that says we'll lose at Ohio. So I, st- I still could be right in a uh, two and one start. We'll see. I hope I'm wrong. I also hope you're wrong. I also hope hey. you're wrong. That would be that would be embarrassing. And though it hasn't been a great start to the Cyclones year, it, it hasn't been embarrassing. I wouldn't call it embarrassing. Um, I don't know. Maybe you guys disagree. Um, it hasn't been super inspiring. But I, we can dive into each game individually in a little bit. But I, I mean, I'd probably keep my prediction about where it was after watching the first two weeks of football. Right. Maybe I slipped down to four and eight, but I still think five and seven seems pretty reasonable after what I've seen from this team for the first two weeks. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say embarrassing. No, we haven't been that bad. We didn't, you know, get blown out by anybody at all. We're not but the I, New York Giants losing no, 40, we, to we, 40 to zero on. We're not shut out. But I, I think I would also probably keep my predictions pretty much where they're at. Obviously, you know, for three of us, this is how we expected the season to start. So no surprise there that we would keep our predictions pretty similar. Yeah. Um, for the UNI game, um, the Cyclones ended up, uh, I'll say dominating. I thought it was a pretty dominating performance. 30 to nine was the final score. The defense was phenomenal. The defense was, game. the defense was phenomenal. Um, pick six on the first drive to open it. Um, you and I and did actually end up outgaining the Cyclones in that game, 279 to 250. We'll get to the offense in a second. Um, but um, yeah, the defense uh, forced two turnovers that turned uh, one was a pick six, so seven points there. And then the other set up a, a field goal at the end of the first half. So 10 points there um, from the defense, as well as you and I was unable to do pretty much anything in the uh, the first half of that game, the defense absolutely shut them down. Um, so the defense was great in that game. Uh, the offense, as I can tell by the fact that we got outgained in a game we won 30 to nine, was not particularly inspiring in that game. At the time, I was willing to chalk it up to just saying, well, it was you and I, and they jumped out to an early lead, so they just didn't show much of the playbook. They didn't try, you know, they just kept it simple and stupid, didn't want to put anything on tape and just went out and won the game. That's what I thought at the time. Spoiler to uh, the next part of the segment. I'm not sure that's true anymore, but that's what I thought at the time. Yeah, we uh, we took a week off for Memorial Day, so we didn't talk about this game right afterwards. But had we, I would have said that I thought that that was 
one of the worst 30 to nine games that you could have. Uh, the offense looked vanilla is the best word for it. Just bad really is what I would generally say. Like you said, we got outgained 279 to 250 passing. We got out 173 to 116, even rushing. Like if you're not going to pass the ball and you're ahead, I get that, but let's rush the ball. We went for 134 yards. They had 106. You look at our third down efficiency, two for 11 is horrible. You look at our penalties in that game, we had nine penalties for 81 yards, also terrible. They held the ball for almost 10 minutes more of the game than we did. Are we playing ball control or are we just not good at keeping the ball on offense at all? The points look good. Every other thing on the scoreboard looks bad. And I think that led itself to the next game where we saw, I don't know, a team that's actually good at football and plays in a major conference. And the offense looked like it shouldn't be on the field. Uh, not that the offense and the other team looked that much better, but I was concerned for sure after seeing this first game and the second game did not make me feel any better about it. I mean, the second game, the the two biggest things that stand out, the first one was was um, the turnovers, right? Um, I mean, the pick six was the difference in this game on a bad route by Norton and a bad throw by Beck. It was both. Floaty throw and a lazy route. Yeah, it was both. And it wasn't the only time. I had, I had remarked on it earlier um, to people I was watching the game with. I was like, boy, he's got to attack that that uh, out route, and he's drifting. And I said that even before the pick six, and he did it again on the pick six. Norton, that is. Um, yeah, and that was the difference in the game. You had a field goal block, so that's more points you left on the board there. So not, uh, yeah, again, not a great uh, performance from the offense. But the biggest thing that... They got me, first of all, we didn't really rush the ball very well. 87 yards on the ground on 31 carries. Quick math is it's less than three yards a rush. That's not going to get the job done. It's 2.8. The math is right in front of me. That's not going to get the job done. And then the other thing for me is a lack of downfield ability in the passing game. Everything was short. The mm-hmm. longest pass play we had of the game was 16 yards, and I believe that was the touchdown on fourth and long late in the fourth quarter is that right before that the longest play was 13 yards now wasn't that a pass to like a tight end as well and it's it i don't know what it is our wide receivers don't seem to be getting impressive separation um off their route breaks uh jalen knoll has had a he had a terrible he was he was atrocious last game for a guy coming in being sort of the go-to this year as your wide receiver, I mean, not sort of the go-to. He is the guy. He's the one who has the most experience, has He's been involved captain. in this program the longest. He was he didn't show up in big moments at all. And that's when you want your players to show up. At least Xavier Hutchinson last year, granted, he was only being sent out on two-yard drag routes across the field and shallow crossers, like he was catching the ball and making an impact. But Jalen Knoll wasn't able to pull in a pass for the most part, and it's frustrating. If you just look at his stat line, it was fine. He had eight catches for 50 yards, but that doesn't count. The, he, had, he himself had at least uh, three drops. Yeah. Drops. He, he had at least three bad punt returns, he almost let a kickoff that went to the end zone turn into an onside kick recovery because he was just lazy and didn't catch the ball, right? Just fair catch it and catch it, right? Like, you get the ball to 25 either way. Even disregarding all of his terrible, you know, special teams play, you, you got outshone by a dude who was going to EKU last year and Jaden Higgins, who looked very much the superior receiver. And he actually looked good. That was, the, was the one bright yeah. side of that yeah. game. He was the in my one opinion, offensive player I was impressed with. Yeah, he looked good. I was like, okay, that's good. Because we had been wondering the whole time who's going to be this guy to step up next to Jalen this year. Uh, apparently, we just need somebody to step up instead of Jalen. Uh, but hopefully, he can get that back. And yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where it, it already feels like we're seeing similar problems to what we had last year where this defense looks good, but they can't win games by themselves. The defense was great. And yeah, exactly. But we have even less offensive talent than we had last year, and we couldn't make it happen last year. I, 
it sucks to be these guys playing a killer game. They were just as good as Iowa's defense, despite what the commentators spent the entire game talking about how magnificent and poetic the beautiful history of Iowa's program is or whatever the hell they're talking about, despite the fact that we allowed the same amount of points and less yardage in the game. Uh, and we just had one play, basically, that was the difference yep. in that game, one which was that pick up. six. Yep. That's all it is. And, yeah, and the only bad play the defense had was that one big, big run. That TJ Tampa, mind you, jumped over his own defender and chased him down. Uh-huh. Big play by TJ Tampa. Yeah. So there, there are guys, dudes, whatever you want to call them, all across the defense. The offense is just lacking so much right now, and it's it's those fine precision things. You talk about Norton running a lazy out route. How do you do that? You break and you go towards the sideline faster. You don't fade and drift downfield with that. At least come back to the ball a little bit so it makes that angle better, harder for the defender to cut it off. Like There have got to be those plays. The offensive line just... I wasn't seeing a whole lot of push, but that's not to be surprising. Iowa always has a really good defensive line. Historically, the shocking part was how imposing the offensive line did not look against you and I. But I will say credit to Abu Sama. Um, He seemed to have a pretty decent game. Um, I think he could be the next guy who gets the bulk workload at the running back position but he's still really young and he tends to want to try and break everything outside bounce it outside rather than taking letting the blocks form and following the block and the schemes yeah he needs to learn he he has been impressive he's been our most impressive running back but what he needs to learn is that you can't turn every play into a big play sometimes you just need to plow into the pile and get three yards um for basically for him it's always a very nice run or he's losing three four yards sometimes he just needs to learn to go plow into the pile take uh take three yards and and go after it i mean that's my that's my take on him yeah that's that stuff worked in class whatever ball in iowa that won you gatorade player of the year as you rush for over 300 yards in your state championship game but Players in college are much faster. They hold the edges better. They're more disciplined. Yeah, you can't take it outside and bounce bounce it for a big play every single time. So, yeah, one thing that I'm very much keeping my eye on next game that we have, which, which is uh, versus Ohio, is just what does Rock Beck look like? Right, like he has not been terribly impressive. To be fair. Not very many quarterbacks are going to look that impressive versus Iowa, but like it was not an inspiring performance. So I'm hoping that he comes out and has a game that shows us what he can be because I don't know that we have seen a lot of it so far. And for a guy that I thought was going to be super mobile, I have not seen a lot of scrambling from him through these first two games. And I'm wondering if I got my scouting reports mixed up because I thought that was uh, one of his things he's good at. I thought that was supposed to be the case too um but it has not been and i guess the question is is has the offense looked conservative because becht is making those decisions and that's the or is it conservative because the coaching staff has determined that he can't be trusted to do anything major right like do we just not have the offensive talent for big plays can the quarterback not be trusted to make big throws, right? I, I don't know if the offense is conservative because of the players or because that's what we want to run. So, but when does it, when does the accountability come into that aspect? Whereas if you're saying I can't trust my quarterback to go out and make those plays, then where are the plays in the playbook that you do trust him that give the, gives the offense the opportunity for success? where you are not having to run like three yard dink and dunk plays all the time and hoping that you can pull out an 18 yard sustain or 18 play sustained drive down the field. That is not a recipe for success, especially for this team when you don't have that ground and pound running back who is able to bully his way for basically four or five yards and then fall forward for another yard each play. So when does that for the 
coaching staff come into play where you are like, all right, I'm going to put my players in a position to be successful uh, within bounds and giving them, you know, a little bit of that opportunity to grow and succeed in their role rather than trying to confine them into a box of what we think they can do. And speaking of coaching staff, I assume that everyone was just as confused by that last cyclone drive as I was, where they were just in the huddle, taking 20 seconds for every play call, just walking to the line. There was no hustle. There was no two-minute offense. There was no get the ball back and try and be. You would have thought we were down 27 points. This is like a two-score game with the chance to get the ball back, and they acted like they had already given up on the game, like they did not want to win. They just wanted to run some plays to try for next week. And I don't understand that. This is this is the in-state rivalry game. This is a big deal. The, the former president of the United States was there. Like, you know, <laughs> this is a big game nationally. This is a huge rivalry. This is one that, you know, Campbell is not. He doesn't have a good record in. He's won it one time ever, I'm pretty sure. Like One in six now, isn't he? Yeah, one in six or one in seven. It feels like this should be a bigger deal. You should try and win this. There, there should be a lot more urgency than we saw on Saturday. Yeah, that was to me the most frustrating. Like, do you not have a hurry up offense? Like, that that was the frustrating part to me. And it's a big deal if you don't have one, because you should probably have that. The the one last thing I want to talk about, um, for the uh, since we're on the negative bandwagon, I'll sort of stay there. Um, the player The player I've been most disappointed with um, might surprise you. It's Easton Dean. Um, Easton Dean, the tight end, he was supposed to be the next great, great is a strong word, but the next Iowa State tight end, right? The next productive Iowa State tight end. One catch for three yards um, in the game against Iowa, if I'm looking at this box score correctly. Let me double check that. One catch for four yards against Iowa. Yeah. And against... Against you and I, he had uh, three catches for 21 yards, right? That's, that's not it's, – it's, it's not fair to try to, to compare him to like a Cola or a, uh, Allen, but that's just not going to cut it. And on top of that, right, to, to sort of as the cherry on top, um, on that, that fourth and one play, right – uh, you could criticize for calling a run. I don't hate calling a run there. I get it, right? Go pick up the one yard and, and then go and try to get it, right? I don't hate that. What I do hate is that you've got the All-American defensive end, and instead of actually blocking him, you decide to just try to have the tight end wash him out, and then Easton Dean whiffs the block. That's the only thing you can't do on that play is whiff the block. And he just absolutely whiffs on that block. That was that was terrible. At least make contact. Yep. Absolutely whiff, and that play stood no chance. I don't hate the fourth and one run call. I'm fine if you want to pass or run there, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I don't really care. But um, block, block their All-American. Right? That's, that, yeah, that's where I'm at. Typically, so. that's a recipe for success. But yeah, execution on that entire drive just was not there. So uh, again, it goes back to, do you not have a a hurry up offense? Well, then what happened with coaching to not allow you that opportunity to not have a hurry up offense, right? I, I don't want to like put everything on this coaching staff, but at some point, when does the ownership come back on them a little bit? That's all I have to say on that. Yeah, let's see how the year plays out a little bit more before I, I go that far. We got to fire Campbell. I'm not. No, 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 oh, no, okay. no. I'm sorry. I was trying no. to make sure if you were on that bandwagon or not. No, no. Hopefully that bandwagon fire, doesn't exist yet. I am not on the fire Campbell bandwagon. I am on the bandwagon. I was just trying to force of- you into a hot take. <laughs> I am on the I am on the bandwagon of offensive coordinator. Come out and say, "Hey, it's my fault. My guys weren't in the position they needed to. It is my responsibility to get them where we need to be." He is I a first-year offensive coordinator. I, I get it. I do get it. But enough with this two-yard 
uh drag route tom manning bs like didn't work last year didn't need to pull out that playbook again this year and i guess to me right we definitely don't need you know to get to you know we need accountability blah 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 um right like we said in the intro to the segment we expected the team to be like a five-ish win team and after two games we think yeah there'll be a five-ish win team right if they win five games, you can't yep. blame the right. If you want to blame the whole coaching staff for not recruiting better players, I guess. But otherwise, right. But it's otherwise, silly, but they yeah. otherwise they did what yeah, you expected silly. them to do with the talent that they have. So it's way too early to to call for much on the coaching staff. I I do hear what you're saying, Kyle. That's much tamer than uh, what I originally thought you were saying. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried about the coaching staff yet. If they win four or five games, with all with how tumultuous this off season is, that's okay. Uh, anybody have any more? I think you just want to see a little bit of progression, and you know, maybe a little bit of improvement from some interesting things on the offense, rather than just like generic space filler that doesn't do anything. Right, and I want to see like lessons learned. You know, if we. If we saw that, I would say a debacle on the last drive. Uh, <laughs> if we see that again, then where's the progression? Where's the where? Like, what are we learning? What are we taking away from those opportunities? Right. Uh, I don't want to see us get into a position where it doesn't seem like we have a hurry up offense again. Like, I should see progression in that week to week. And that should be the growth you would hope to see. Otherwise, you know, Campbell does have that option to say, oh, well, I don't think this coach is doing well in this position. I can make a staff change. I don't think he will, but you do have to have some sort of progression throughout the season to build upon it going into next season. And that's where this team was upended mightily this offseason is they weren't able to build on anything last season they get blown out in the final game of the year and they have uh the tumultuous offseason with uh the the gambling probe so any other thoughts on the first two games of the year before we dive into uh ohio are you going to do a head first dive or a belly flop into ohio i hope it's more of a head first dive than a belly flop because the belly flop implies we're going to lose that game um, but I was just looking at the line. Uh, so that game is going to be 11 a.m. on Saturday on ESPNU. Guys, we're only two and a half point favorites in that game. That seems like we haven't been good, but that seems low. That, that does seem low. I would take the I would take Iowa State there for the spread. Yeah, like Ohio's two and one. They lost to San Diego State. They beat Long Island. I didn't even know that was a college. Yeah, I thought that was and a dream. They beat FAU. When they beat FAU. They also don't look great offensively. So it could be another low-scoring game. Um, anyway, 11 a.m. ESPNU, hopefully a game that we win. Any other thoughts on Ohio? I, I don't know much else about Ohio, so I won't claim to have any scouting report. I'm hoping to see a bounce-back game. I would like to see at least 21 points from the offense in this game to feel okay about it. Yeah, I'd... I would like to see a couple touchdowns from the offense, a couple of sustained drives. I'd like to see some, some smaller uh, or some shorter third downs that we're facing um, rather than third and long. But I think you just got to kind of go in there, handle business, get out of there and get ready for conference play. This, this should be a win. um, But you know, you have a task at hand. Let's let's see a little bit of progress going forward uh, and make a make a few steps towards uh, the first conference game of the season. I will say I did not realize Jeremiah Cooper uh, has every interception for our team so far this year. He has three interceptions. Yep, he got, he's got all three. Yep. Yeah, that's impressive. Yep. He's been good. So credit there. There's a little bit of optimism to end our segment there. But uh, believe it or not. There's actually other football happening. Surprise, hooray, the NFL season has started. Uh, we're a little bit late getting on there, but, you know, we're going to go ahead and do what we've done. And we're, we're going to put our NFL season predictions on the board, so we'll each do 
our uh, division winners, and then we'll go through and do AFC champ, NFC champ, and Super Bowl champ. And uh, since we're doing it and write that down order, I am starting. And for the AFC East, I have the Miami Dolphins winning that division. I was between the Dolphins and the Bills on this one. I went with the Bills. Can Tua stay healthy? Um, right, that's one of the questions you got to answer. And then, um, right, I just still think the Bills are a better team overall. So I went with the Bills. I agree with you. I've been on the Bills bandwagon for a couple of years now, and this year's no different. Yeah, until anybody can really prove otherwise, uh, it's it's the I feel like it's the Bills division to lose this year. There's so much surrounding the Jets. Uh, I don't really see it. I think there's a lot of hype for potentially nine and eight team. Um, the Dolphins. I would love to pick them, but you you wonder if Tua can stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, obviously they're going to be a great team, but much like the NFL, a, ba- a quarterback goes down, the backup just is not as good as the starter. So Buffalo's definitely got the advantage there. Yeah, and I mean, I know we, we are, for the record, we are making these predictions as if it was preseason still, so we're not taking into account what we've seen in week one, but I'm really not picking the Jets as Aaron Rodgers just left the field on a cart. Um, so... That could be potentially bad for the Jets, too. Well, hopefully he's all right. Um, but yeah, Jets probably not the best pick, maybe. I, there's a little bit too much hype around the Jets before we've seen them actually put this together anyway. I just like the Dolphins this year. They're so explosive. I think they'll be a fun team, but the Bills are definitely the proven thing and the safer pick. Um, moving on to the AFC North. Speaking of the proven thing, you have a couple options here, but I'm going to go with the Ravens. Kind of a bounce back gear for them. I think that Lamar Jackson shows everybody why he was the MVP of the league a couple years ago. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with the Bengals. Um, I think uh, they'll be, they've still got uh, a plenty of explosive players. Hopefully Joe Burrow can come back and be healthy. And uh, if he does, then uh, I think this is the Bengals division. I put more faith into Lamar Jackson than I do Joe Burrow at this point. So I will also go with the Ravens. Yeah. So for me, it all comes down to can anyone on the Ravens stay healthy? This team is always marred by injuries throughout any season, uh, whether it's Lamar Jackson, running backs. They've already down one running back, even though I'm not accurate that into my prediction. When I'm picking, though, I'm picking, I'm going to go with the quarterback that I think is going is going to be better and more durable uh as well as the team that is centered more around offense so give me the Bengals here but defense wins championships sure in the 80s <laughs> more recently not not so much that's a fair point yeah so what about the AFC South uh, we have the AFC South I have the Jacksonville Jaguars, and there's really not a lot of options. I agree. The, the, if the Jaguars don't win that division, it's an absolute uh, absolute disaster for them. They're going to win that division. Absolutely. Jags. Yeah. I, I mean, the Jags are going to be a team that is going to be a heavy Super Bowl favorite at some point this season. I believe I have been on this train for a while. Uh I think I made a prediction about it not that long ago. And if they if they don't win this division, something drastically wrong has happened with this team this season, a.k.a. Trevor Lawrence got hurt uh, and, and things go far off to the wayside. So the Jags division to lose. In my- and then in the AFC West ending the AFC, uh, I have the Kansas City Chiefs taking this division. I also got the Chiefs. I just don't think somebody else in that division would have to prove to me that they're going to unseat the Chiefs before I believe them. You could say Chargers, but I'm saying Chiefs. I don't buy the Chargers. I'm also going with the Chiefs. Yeah, so the last AFC West team to win the the division crown was the Denver Broncos in 2015. Now, it was back when Peyton Manning was leading that team. And it's been the Chiefs division since then. Everybody has been on the Chargers for quite a few years, especially with Justin Herbert there. 
But until the Chargers can actually prove that they can do it at the end of the season, um, it's the Chiefs division to lose again. Uh, I don't think Jimmy G is going to be healthy for a full season in Vegas. Uh, Mr. Unlimited and Sean Payton, while they looked good in week one, I just don't know how the Broncos are going to shake out. Uh, so, yeah, give me the reliable option over the past couple of years. Yeah, I think I think it's a Russell Wilson bounce back season, but I'm not willing to put the whole division on that. Uh, starting in with the NFC, uh, the NFC East, I have the Dallas Cowboys winning the division. How about them boys? Yeah, I could see the Cowboys winning it, but I, I mean, I've still got to go with the Eagles. I think their team, I don't think the Cowboys improved enough to overtake the Eagles um, this year. I still don't know if I believe in Dak enough um, to to pick him over Justin Fields. Oh, not Justin Fields. Jalen Hurts. I'm blanking on it. It's Jalen Hurts. Thank yeah. you. And uh, the Eagles. So give me the Eagles. I was torn between Dallas and Philly, but I ended up settling on Dallas. It just feels feels more correct. I don't know. We'll find out. So as I kind of made a mockery of Ariane was like defense wins championships, and I I made a mocking of that. Uh, but in this case, Dallas does have the better defense uh, than the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and while that's not everything, there will be some offensive woes. Uh, or offense obviously plays into everything. I think there will be some offensive woes for the Cowboys since they did lose their offensive coordinator to the Chargers this year. But I do think that Super Bowl hangover is a is a looming thing for the Eagles. I just think the Cowboys will best them twice, and that will be the reason that they win the division this year. I'm not going to lie. I thought I was going to have like the hot take for this division, and everybody would pick the Eagles, and I would pick the Cowboys. But somehow, Mike, you're the only person who picked the team that was just in the Super Bowl. So that is interesting. Uh, moving on to the NFC North, I have Mike's hometown team, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, pretending like I didn't see what they just did, you know, week one. Again, this is one where I changed my prediction after week yeah. one, but I had the Vikings going into the year, so I'll stick with the Vikings. So I agree with you. I've been on the Lions bandwagon for definitely Dan Campbell's bandwagon, at least last year. Um, but I felt like the Vikings had something going for him prior to the season starting. So I also chose the Vikings. The Vikings were tempting because you ha- you here you have a team that has a lot of you know great pieces on it. Uh, you had stability at head coach and quarterback this year between off seasons that pays huge dividends. You have by far the most talented wide receiver in the league right now, but I just didn't know what Brian Flores was going to do immediately with that defense and a bad defense at that last season. Uh, I knew the Lions had a lot of great pieces on defense coming in. Um, They made some good acquisitions for offense. And I just figured the Lions had a little bit more of a complete team. So that was that was my pick going into the year. Yeah. I think the Lions. The Jets. Those teams are both like super, super hyped coming into this season. And I feel like maybe the media has jumped the gun a little bit with it. So it'll be interesting to see where those teams end up at the end of the year. Uh, the NFC South, otherwise known as the division where I just said, like, ew, out loud. Every time I looked at one of these teams and I had to pick someone to win this division. Um, it's a mess. I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. They have the only quarterback that I really trust here. And I don't think it will be an impressive record at the end of it. But I'm going to go with the Saints. Yeah, to me, I got to go with the quarterback, right? Of those teams, to me, the Saints somehow have the quarterback I trust the most of those four teams um, with Derek Carr. So I'll pick the Saints because they got the quarterback that I trust. I feel like the Falcons had something going for them. Not a lot, not a quarterback, but maybe they had the juice to to make it happen. Believe in the Bijan? I, I guess, but not a whole lot. I don't know. I picked, I picked the Falcons. I'm sticking with it. I'm not going to change it. Falcons. So, I know we're not talking, taking into account week one, but Arthur Smith has a good way of like maybe trying to save those first round offensive talent picks for, you know, the end of the season because he didn't use them at all in week one. Uh, 
you guys are acting. You guys are acting like this. Derek Carr isn't one of probably the top twelve quarterbacks in the league. Maybe I. Sure. I mean, look at his numbers. I if I had to pick, I know you guys know this. I I would pick Derek. I would probably take Derek oh, Carr over Dak. Over Prescott. Dak. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you said you would take Cooper Rush over Dak, so I really don't care what you think about it. You'll pick the Cowboys to win the division. I yeah. know, so I'm very confused about I thought that was a weird pick for you. My thing is, I like... Know. I understand. I nobody's understand. ever Hold said... On. Go ahead. Hold on. Derek Carr, I, he is thrown for a lot of yards. Uh, he's had some good seasons in Vegas, um, had some good games, good moments. I just think the Raiders in his time there were a team that had a lot of dysfunction around it. Um, didn't get a lot of pieces right, whiffed on a lot of draft picks. Um, the Saints are an organization where they do dra- tend to draft and develop talent really well. Uh, I would be surprised if Derek Carr and the Saints had a good two, three-year run in which they were you know, perennial playoff contenders, but maybe not NFC, true NFC contenders for a Super Bowl. But yeah, I think it's the Saints division to lose because you have two rookie quarterbacks. Um, wait, no. Who am I? Oh, no. Well, basically yeah, almost a rookie quarterback with Ritter. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah. Uh, Bryce Young and the Panthers who are completely rebuilding. And then Baker Mayfield, who's bounced around. So who knows what you get from him? My thing is, I feel when I look at Derek Carr, I just see like the next manifestation of the Andy Dalton line, right? He is like good enough to be good, but he's not good enough to be great. You might get to the playoffs, but are you really winning any games? Eh. So like, yeah, I think they'll win the division. Do I think they'll win anything else? No, not at all. All right. Uh, The last division we have is the NFC West. And I think uh, we all pretty much agree here that the safe pick is going to be the San Francisco 49ers with your former Cyclone on board, Brock Purdy. Yeah, I could see it being the Rams, but I think uh, the 49ers are going to be going to be the one. I see it. The Seahawks more likely than the Rams. Interesting. Color me skeptical that Geno Smith can repeat what he did last year. Fair enough. Wyatt? Yeah, no, Ariane summed it up. Safe picks the 49ers. I don't see the Rams doing it. Nice. So I will say I gave the Seahawks a long look here. I did. Uh, And I know, Mike, you said, Color, you surprised if Geno Smith could repeat. Geno Smith really only had like two seasons to showcase who he was as a quarterback. And then he was relegated to backup land. Um, Last year, he came out and impressed and did it. The the thing that always gets me with the 49ers is who's going to be healthy at what time in the season. Um, if Brock Purdy gets hurt, I don't trust Sam Darnold. And now they don't have Trey Lance, so it, obviously it has to be Sam Did Darnold. You trust Trey Lance? I don't know, but I mean, you spent a top three pick on him at one point, so at one point you trusted, or not you, but they trusted him. Yeah. So... That's my thing is the 49ers have a lot of great, great talent, but they are very top heavy on that roster. And I think Seattle is a very complete team because of how well they've drafted. Now, they obviously went out and laid a dud against the Rams, who also have a very top heavy roster and a bunch of people on the on the defense that you can't even name because they were undrafted due to their lack of draft picks. But that's where I'm at. I, I think the 49ers will run away with it, obviously, if they stay healthy. but that's the case with a lot of great teams is if you're great, you're great. And if you're hurt, you know, it might be a wild ride. Yeah. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes goes down for the chiefs, like it's going to be bad. I I don't want to watch a season of Blake Bortles. Right. I think there's there's a lot of teams you could argue if their quarterback and their top receiver goes down, they're bad. Like that's probably the case for almost every team. As I always say, there are only about 28 people in the world good enough to play NFL quarterback. The odds that you got two on your team are pretty low. Yeah. And maybe it's a hot take. Maybe it isn't. I don't know if you guys agree with me. I would rather have Sam Darnold, who I actually know plays football, rather than this ghost mirage of Trey Lance, where in theory he's good at football, but he's never freaking played it in his life. I, I will forever be perplexed 
by the fact that they picked this man and traded up to pick this man who had less snaps in his whole career than some high school quarterbacks do in a year. I mean, all you got to do is have a guy who can stem the floodgates until you can get your guy back. So you just hope he doesn't actively suck, which to be fair, could maybe be a lot to ask from Sam Darnold, given what we've seen of him in the past. Yeah, but he Uh, was on a dysfunctional Jets team. So with that, and we have labored on this for a while and obviously we are almost through week one of the nfl season but bearing all of our prediction projections in mind arian go ahead and give us your afc and nfc champ and we'll go across the board and then we'll pick our super bowl champion yeah so for the afc um i'm gonna go ahead and pick the kansas city chiefs to host as they call it the af the the arrowhead invitational uh, it will be there yet again this year. So expect the Chiefs as the AFC champ there. And then hmm, the NFC is a little bit harder for me. But I want to say, give me the, hmm, do I want to, give me the Cowboys. I'll take it. I'm going to get bit in the butt when they finish the season eight and nine. But screw it. We're going to go with the, the team from Texas and the team that started in Texas, right? I think the Chiefs started as right. the Dallas Chiefs, if I'm correct. Yep. All right, Mike. What say you? Go with the Jags from the AFC. Um, the Chiefs are definitely the safe pick and probably the most likely to do it, but I think Jacksonville... Um, is going to be able to feast on what is probably a poor division and might be able to get that number one seed from the Chiefs, which could make the difference there. Um, And from the NFC, I will take the Eagles again. Wyatt? I am currently stocking up on tables to bust through. I will go Bills for the AFC champ and the 49ers for the NFC. Six different teams. We're going to have at least as Joey Burrow will probably, I think they're going to host the first AFC championship game this year and face the Kansas city chiefs in actual burrow head, I guess, whatever they want to call it (laughs) Uh, as, and then the Bengals will be your champion there. Um, And for the NFC, He's frantically looking for a team that hasn't been picked yet so he can finish it off. I know, but I, I don't <laughs> Pick the like... Lions, there great ones. Pick the Lions, coward. Ah, uh, frick. It's... I. I <laughs> you know what? Suck it. Give me the Seahawks. Seahawks. Okay. <laughs> there you have That's it. That's worse than the Lions. I know, I get it. <laughs> that's spicy. Okay. Well, eight different picks. That's that's probably the first time that's happened. We've covered our bases. One of us has to be right on at least one of these. I hope. <laughs> We're all wrong. <laughs> okay. What would it have to be for us to all be wrong? Uh, Boy, the Lions, Ra- I guess. Raven, Raven, Ravens or Dolphins out of the AFC? Chargers. The teams, potentially. And Chargers. Or the Broncos. Yeah. Broncos could be a dark horse. Or They're literally horses. Um, and then you could have the Vikings. <laughs> The Lions. I'm going to go ahead and put money on not the Vikings, but that's fine. (laughs) The Lambs. Yeah. So we have Super Bowl champs now. I have the choice of the Chiefs to go back to back for the first time since the Patriots did it. Or I can pick the Cowboys to win it for like the first time since I've been alive. What do I think is more likely? You could pick somebody else too. Hedge your bet. Does that work? The AFC champ and one's the NFC champ, right? That's the Super Bowl matchup. Yeah, but you yeah. could admit defeat and say that you know. Oh, I thought uh, I had to be locked into this cinematic universe here that I'm building. Not necessarily. I am, but you don't have I to. I feel be. like I have to. Like I can't be a coward. I'm gonna go ahead and say the Cowboys win, and all of a sudden, this fan base that we haven't seen in a while becomes everywhere and is the worst thing ever when we see a bunch of people in Cowboys gear. <laughs> They'll be able to watch something on on DVR now instead of VHS. <laughs> yeah, that'll be nice for them. <laughs> they can throw away their Betamaxes. Yeah, a bunch of people from tech, uh, Cowboys fans who have never been to Texas. Yep. Yeah. America's team. 
Uh, I'm going to go with Jacksonville. I think Trevor Lawrence, uh, Trevor Lawrence can get it done. I'm going with Jacksonville. The prince who's promised. I will go with the 49ers, former Cyclone, getting a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, and, and I'm going to take Joe Burrow uh, offseason in which he gets to be the highest paid player in the NFL. He also gets a Super Bowl ring. Wow, that was impossible to go with that contract. So Very nice. We have eight different uh, league champions and four different Super Bowl winners. Uh, maybe one of us will be right. Probably not. We will see. We'll revisit it at the end of the year, though, for sure. Anything else, uh, NFL season preview, before we um, jump into our signature segments? No, I think that's it. I got nothing. All right. We'll jump right into our signature segments. Um, this week, you want to talk with about something that's been uh, sort of present all across the league this year, and it's been offensive line assignment. Why do you have this rule pulled up? I actually forgot to pull up this rule. I was looking at something else. Um, but we've definitely had a thing, especially with the right tackles being lined up um, in interesting positions. Wyatt, do you want to cover uh, exactly what the rule says about this and what we've been seeing? So the, the rule in question here is Rule 3, Section 19, Article 3, Item 1 from the NFL rulebook. And it states that a non-snapper, if, if the individual is not a snapper, no part of his body is permitted to be in the neutral zone at the snap, and his helmet must break a vertical plane that passes through the belt line of the snapper. And this is the definition of a player on the line of scrimmage so a player on the line of scrimmage that is not a snapper is the case if he um if his helmet breaks that vertical plane that passes through the belt line of the snapper that that's the thing that everyone's referencing with this issue right and all five offensive linemen must be on the line of scrimmage yep. is, is the follow-up there so yes and you don't necessarily see this this is not a call you see made very often, if at all. Um, but, I mean, what I'm curious about is, right, it got a lot of publicity in the Chiefs game, um, but it happened, right? Kyle, you said there's a couple other offensive linemen um, who were doing it as well. Trent Williams, Orlando Brown, uh, offensive linemen for the Jaguars as well. Uh, in the Colts game, I definitely saw three instances of it. Um, there could have been more, but obviously all the attention was drawn to Juwan Taylor. Uh, but because a lot of people are anti-Chiefs right now, that's what caused the most attention to it. So, I think the right tackle for the Packers is known for doing it as well. I'm blanking on his name right now. He's been there forever. Is that Bakhtiari? Yeah, Bakhtiari. I thought he was a left tackle. Maybe it is. It might be the left tackle. But I, I do think Bakhtiari has a tendency to do this as well. So it does appear to be something that has happened throughout the league. Obviously, Javon Taylor was doing it to an absurd degree. And as you said, beginning of the season, defending Super Bowl champs, a lot of anti-Chiefs hate because they win too much. Uh, so the, the, the conversation around it was quite a firestorm to start the, the season while we're, we've all been starved of talking about anything NFL. So. And, and because it got so much publicity, I'm curious if uh, the NFL is going to send this out as a point of emphasis to their officials for week two. I agree. To like, hey, be on the lookout. For, or send a memo to the teams first. It says, hey, the officials are going to be watching for this. So I'm, I'm curious. I don't know whether they will or won't. They've been known to do that before. So maybe they will again. We'll see. I would expect them to. I mean, even if it's to say ignore it rather than keep calling it, one of the two, I feel like they clarify on just because it seems relatively high profile. Yeah. Even watching the game now, right, the Jets, between the Jets and the Bills, it the right tackle, I guess from my vantage point here, does seem to be lined up in a similar fashion to those games. So obviously there are, there are offensive line coaches instructing on this and it's a thing. Now, with Juwan Taylor, the thing that was pointed out was he was literally tipping what play was going to happen because if it was a run play, he was lining up basically right on the line. And if it was a pass play, he was lining up egregiously far back. So, I mean, that was like a pitch tip there. Hey, we're running the ball. I'm up on the line. So, you know what's coming. So, that needs to change at least uh, for the team's sake offensively. But, um, 
yeah, I, was, I, I for sure see the NFL sending out some sort of memo to the team's emphasis to the officials, something along the lines. I was honestly more confused. More of the talk wasn't just on his blatant like false starting. The man was like twitching, like constantly. I noticed before the false starts more than the position. Like his hands, yeah. his back foot. He was like tap dancing back there, and nobody seemed to have a problem with that. That seemed way more egregious to me. He was scared of Aiden Hutchinson, and that was obvious. And I don't blame yeah, him. Yeah, no. Any other thoughts on that rule before we move along? Nope. Arian, do you want to stop making predictions here? No, I have three more on the board. I, you had one on the board when we started this episode. <laughs> now I just scroll down and you have three. You better go through these accountabilities fast or I'll put another one on the board. <laughs> <laughs> we do have quite a long accountability session this week um, with the football season heating up and the baseball season winding down. So I'll try to go through them a little bit quickly here. First one was... Um, for me, I pity the Angels would finish last in the AL West. They are going to finish fourth in the AL West, but the A's were just so bad um, that they will not finish worse than them. Um, so I will take a... Nah. Nah. Uh, Josh predicted that Aaron Rodgers will retire before the start of next year. Maybe he should have, considering he's hurt um, now, but uh, he did not. So Josh gets a... Nah. 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 This one we're going to have uh, some spirited debate on. So Kyle predicted that Joe Burrow would get fifty-plus million dollars a year this off-season. He did. The news, the, the, <laughs> the, the news about this broke during the Chiefs Lions game. Is that the off-season or not? That this is the debate. So he did get fifty million per year with his new deal. Um, so we'll say that. I. It here's my argument. It's still the Bengals offseason. The Bengals had not started their season yet. So here's my argument. If the Super Bowl is happening, it is not the NFL offseason. Like it is the postseason. And then once it kicks off, it is the regular season. You said the offseason, right? Like you didn't say the Bengals offseason, in which case I, I said, would maybe well, give it to you. But like, in my opinion, once the ball is kicked, we are into the regular season. Why do I have to get that specific? Because we didn't know they were going to do something weird like this, to be fair. Absolutely stupid. So really, the argument you're making is semantics, right? If this hadn't happened and you said, if somebody just asked you in the middle of this game, so is it the offseason? You would have said, nah. The regular season has started, right? So to me, it's not the offseason. So for me, I would say that that is incorrect, but everybody can have their own opinion on this because it is an odd and semantic argument. Yeah, this is weird. I mean, I don't know that I'd be mad either way, but to me, I don't see that as being the offseason since the regular season is kicked off. I'm mad. I'm mad one way. That's for sure. (laughs) I'm sure you are. Let's think about it this way. Is it still the off season when practice starts? I don't know that it is. Off season training camps? Is, is that still off season? I yeah, think it oh, is. The training camps yeah. are, but is is like like preseason practice, like preseason games. Yeah, that's still off season. Well, that's a good point. Is it preseason instead of off season? Yeah, because I don't think that's off season anymore. That's preseason. Mm, that's a good point. But, but, either way, what we're hearing is the. Th- a majority of us, three out of four, don't think this was the offseason. Regardless of when the offseason actually ends, none of us think this is it. This counts. It's very, I, I am very unsure. Like I'm going to go with no. I, I, think, I think this is wrong in the spirit of where it was predicted. Oh, I really, I lean towards no, but I hear your argument. Yeah, Kyle. I, I agree. I agree. I, I'm hearing it, but again, I don't know that it, that it reflects the spirit of the prediction. I think technically you're you're correct, but like it, it's still wrong. Yeah, I think that's enough to say nah on this. Do you guys agree? I guess. Man. Yeah. I feel bad, but yeah. Nah. Uh, this is unlikely. To, it's unlikely to matter in the grand scheme. Of write that down. Put it. That's true. But nah. That absolutely blows. It does. Blame right. Cincinnati. They did it. That's true. It's their fault. Cincinnati. Those idiots. They waited like I mean, five minutes after kick. I know. That literally broke in the first quarter of that game. 
So moving on then, since we've got that one sorted out. Um, next picture off the board, Wyatt, you predicted that you would not be dead last in fantasy baseball at the end of the season. You actually finished sixth, I think, out of 10. That's pretty uh-huh. good. So good job. That's pretty good. So you get a ding, 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 ding. ding, ding. I predicted a long time ago that the Cyclones would beat Iowa in football this year. That did not happen, so I get a... Eh. Nah. Wyatt, you predicted that the Cubs sweep at least one three or more game series in the month of August. They had multiple three-game winning streaks, but none of them were um, sweeps. Uh, so for that, you get a... Nah. Nah. Kyle, you did redeem yourself by saying that Novak Djokovic would win the U.S. Open, which he did do. So, ding-ding-ding. Arian, after the, um, after the Hunter Decker's news broke, you predicted that Rocco Becht would start the season as QB1, um, which he did do against both you and I and I, or he was the starter. So, ding-ding-ding-ding. Ding-ding. Ding-ding. Arian, you also predicted that you would be the only one in our fantasy baseball league with a positive points for two points against and a losing record. You did end up with slightly Ooh. less points for than points against, um, which means you have a negative points for to points against, which means this prediction is wait, wrong. Wait, 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 wait. The way I predicted it, or at least what I wanted to predict, was that I would have more points for than points against, right? Uh, yeah, hold on. Let me let me go back and look at the, the league stuff here, too. Because I ended the season with, like, 45 more points scored than points against. And a losing record. You did end up with a losing record, yes. Well, that part is not really under argument, for sure. But I did also beat... Because I had to win my last game to get more points for than points against. And I did win that game. So I should you get did this win, prediction. Yes. Maybe you I did phrased win it incorrectly, week. but... You did finish with more points for than points against. That's also true. Um, do we have to... Could, we'll table this one and get back to yeah, it. Yeah, that's since... fine. There's confusion I mean, over what you actually predicted. Thing. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll get back on that one. I will take it off of my sheet that I've marked, um, and we will revisit this one next week because I think we might have to go back and listen to the tape. So we'll come back. We'll revisit this one next week, listeners. This one's much easier. Uh, and the last thing – yeah, the last one you predicted, Ryan, is the Chiefs will be 5-0 and oh when you see them play the Broncos on October 12th. <laughs> uh, it's hard to be 5-0 and oh when you start 0-1. Uh, oh so <laughs> – that is finally it for our accountability session. Right, and it doesn't look like you've added a fourth prediction, so you want to give all three of yours here to get some stuff back up on the board? Yeah, let's get into it. I've, I've felt a lot of inspiration while we've been doing this episode. So I started with the prediction that Cartevius Norton will get back on the horse. He'll be the runner that we think he can be, and he will score a rushing touchdown versus Ohio. I'm vibing with that. I'd say double. Yeah. He just looks like 20 pounds heavier than he's listed. He looks so big. Sounds Double's like we're in fine. agreement with a double. Cool. A double it is. My next prediction uh, is that the Kansas City Chiefs won their next game by 10 points or more. Their next game is against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they are favored by three. Triple. I would say this is also a double. Uh, I'll say I say a triple. I say a triple. It's a home game for the Jags. I'm very surprised that the Chiefs are even favored. They must assume that Kelsey's going to be back. I also assume no, that's that. No, that's a double. That's a double. They All right. I mean, I, I trust the hometown guy's judgment the most, but I guess I'll take a double. So, Just because you're making me think three times about your prediction. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my, my last prediction, which I decided to write down while we were talking about these predictions for the NFL season, I, I believe I stated this after the Super Bowl that the Bengals were in. Uh, Joe Burrow will never make it to another Super Bowl. This could stay on the board for a bajillion years. We could not even be doing this podcast what? by the time it happens. What's the hold up? Don't we have a bylaw that says your prediction has to have like an expiry or something? I don't know. I mean, we could we if we don't like it, we could just straight up reject. That is true. Rejection. Um, Damn. And it's your third project. 
prediction anyway. So well, either way, for the fire. Put me on the board, even if it doesn't get written down. Joe Burrow never makes it back. Great quarterbacks aren't guaranteed to go to the Super Bowl. Suck it up. So we don't have a rule that says that you must have. So you can you can infer based off of our rules that your prediction when made should expire at the end of the write that down prediction season, which isn't necessarily true because we do allow you to put predictions on for the next season. It's true. But it's boring to say he won't make the Super Bowl this year. I have to be hyperbolic. I, like a single. I, I would say that we have... We can just strike it. I don't care. No, no. We don't I would have to just strike, strike it. it. You either strike it or I put it on for next it. season. I, I'm, I'm voting to strike strikes. it. I'm, I'm not voting for a strike. I'm saying strike it or put it to next season. Well, or, yeah, or for this season. Right. Mike and I said strike, so... Well, that's fine. If he wants to modify it, he can. But I, if it stays as is, I'm going to vote to strike it. Nah, just scrap it. Okay. That's fine. Uh, that has been struck. Mike, what do you got? So I am in a ridiculously large number of fantasy football leagues, namely four of them. But I am good at fantasy football. So I'm going to say I'm going to make the playoffs in at least three of those four. I believe it. So modest as well. Uh huh. How many I'm are allowed into football. each like playoff? I, I'm in a 16-team league. Is that what our league yes. is? 16? 16. And there are six playoff teams? Dang. Is that how I set it up? We only did six for that? Oof. Uh, it looks like I did eight. Okay. Let me look here. Let me look here. Uh, Guaranteed single. Yeah, you are, that one's you pretty, are pretty good at fantasy football, but it's three leagues. I, I give a it a lot. double. I'm going to give a double for that. Oh, I was just saying, I guaranteed, sing- like, oh, I was saying yeah. guaranteed single for just our single. league. Yes, agreed, agreed. But, yeah, so that league has, uh, I believe, eight playoff teams. I'm in a 12-team league um, that has, I believe, six playoff teams. Yeah. Then I'm in a 14-team league with six playoff teams, and I'm in a 10-team league with six playoff teams. Wow, that's a lot of variety. Yeah, I'm going yes. to hit it with a double. Because as you said, you're very good at fantasy football. I still, because of that one that's a 10-team league with six teams in the playoffs, I'm leading single. What? Oh, no. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, that's not, that's not that bad. I'm He's kind of in so between. so good though. at fantasy You're football. Right. You're right. There are a lot of other, you know, there are outside forces working on this, though. You can be as good as you want, and if you have injuries, you're just screwed. Like if you picked up Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, well, you... Yeah, he's done for the you day. You don't let me get away with that, Aryan. so... I mean, it's it's all about the group, right? So, you said single, I said double, we just gotta wait for Wyatt. I think, well, I said double as well. I, I'm gonna stick by it. I thought about flipping, but... Okay. Cool, cool. We'll, we'll go with a double. I was gonna say single because we, we made Kyle's wrong, but then I remember that that wasn't Kyle's fault, that was the Bengals' fault. They are gonna get a strongly worded email from me. <laughs> email a GM, do it. Please do. Copy us in. Dear Bengals general manager... <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? He is. Uh, he enjoyed uh, week one of the NFL season, especially what his Packers and Jordan Love did. Um, and he is high on the Packers and low on the Jets. He's going to say that the Packers will stay undefeated longer than the Jets are. And he did get this on the board before the start of today's game, by the way. Um, so factor that in. But I still think this is a single either way. Because yeah, I would have assumed the Bills were going to win. Tonight. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And they Single. are currently winning. Yeah, so yeah, single. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers is out. So have they said what it is? Yeah, also doesn't have ankle of some kind. Gotcha. I will predict that the Bears will have or is tied for the worst record in the whole of the NFC at the end of the wow. season. They they I mean, look like, that the bad. Cardinals are the Cardinals are tanking. The Cardinals are actively trying to be a terrible team. They almost won this weekend though. You gotta make it. You gotta make it look believable, though. <laughs> you know, the Panthers, the Buccaneers, the Falcons could all be pretty bad. The Commanders. I think the Rams could be bad this season. There could be a ton of bad teams. But the Bears. I'll say. I'll say double. Probably. Uh, I'll say triple. I'll say a lot double. Of contenders. Yeah, that's fine. Double it is. All right. 
And now the Kyle? moment we've all been waiting for. Uh, the end of the episode. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, right. My, so my prediction this week is that Mike Evans is a chief before the end of the season. So technically, by all of our explanation before, Mike Evans could join the Chiefs for the Super Bowl and play in the Super Bowl, and that's, this would count. He would have to be cut. Cut. Yep. And yeah. Then join. Uh, yep. That is ex- that, that's, a spicy, that's a spicy prediction. Is there, are there rumors of this happening? I haven't heard anything about this. Well, he did have, like, he's entering a free agent year next year, and mm-hmm. he had a self-imposed 9-9 contract extension deadline that he basically told the Buccaneers, hey, if you don't give me a contract, then screw it. I'm not going to sign anything or negotiate with you until the end of the season. So, I mean, that's fairly normal. I, I mean, could he get traded? Sure. Should he get traded? Really? Maybe. It seems, seems unlikely. I'm willing to give this a triple. That's fine. I did say after watching week one and Chris Jones was still holding out, I'm like, can the Chiefs trade Chris Jones for a wide receiver? Because those wide receivers look terrible uh, for the Chiefs. Uh, I'll give it a home run. Why at triple a home run? Uh, I don't know. We've established it's not really a common thing. Like, this doesn't seem likely. Yeah, because but the Chiefs have now traded for a wide receiver. They did last year in, in Tony. That's true. So. Darius Tony and Mike Evans are very different creatures, and very yes. different trade pieces yeah. too. So yeah, do they really need him? I would say it's a lot easier to trade for Kadarius Tony than it is for Mike Evans. I'll I'll, I'll go for it. I'll go for a home run on this. All right, uh, there we go. I hope it happens though. That'd be exciting. Yeah, it would be. That would be spicy people would be mad (laughs) people would be mad with a single four doubles and a home run that concludes our write that down prediction segment which means we're at the end of the episode thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311 cast episode 238 from now until next week's episode be sure to check in with our socials at 8311 cast wherever you find us signing off for the 8311 cast we have your hosts kyle mersh Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to y'all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!